Surprise! Durham is still coming. He's going to prove the Clinton campaign paid a Russian agent to accuse innocent Americans of being Russian agents, and the FBI knew this and used the Steele dossier for a FISA warrant anyway. By Brian Cates. I had just gotten back from an appointment with my chiropractor in Sarasota and was eating dinner as I scrolled through my telegram feed to see what I'd missed in the day's news. When I came across the kind of post I've been experiencing to come across for two months now, it was from my friend Kyle, who goes by the name Just Human on social media. Quote, Durham's brief court filing on Wednesday requested the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Virginia to issue 30 subpoenas for an appearance before said court at Alexandria, Virginia, starting on October 11th, to testify on behalf of the United States. The potential witnesses are not named, but a copy of the blank subpoena reads that you are commanded to appear. Kyle followed that up with this, quote, Lol, at everyone who bought the nonsense that Durham was done winding down, lacking funds, etc. Take note of who tried to sell that narrative to you and don't buy anything else that they're selling unless it comes with receipts. You can keep track of the special counsel's office here, justice.gov slash sco-durham. You can keep track of developments in the Danchenko case here, courtlistener.com, United States v. Danchenko, end quote. I made a few immediate posts of my own on my Telegram channel. At this news, Brian laughing at everyone who said Durham was shutting down. Link in the article. It was just last month that media reports helped kick off a news cycle of Durham is so over news stories across the news media spectrum. I realize, of course, that what these reporters are doing is looking at the DOJ filings on the special counsel's office when they are publicly released and then commenting on the financials of Durham's investigation. Nothing wrong with that. It's newsworthy information. But this is twice now that disclosures of spending by the Durham SCO has led to media speculation based on what the amount of money spent should be, that Durham is winding down and getting ready to close shop. Paul Sperry tweets, New! In the latest budget filing period, Durham spent 369040 Fewer dollars on his Spygate probe, a 16% decline from the previous reporting period. Travel expenses dropped 42%, indicating his investigation may be winding down, not ramping up. Paul Sperry, new. Between now and September 30th, Biden AG Garland will decide whether to pull plug on Durham's probe or let it ride into the next fiscal year, and he'll be aided in decision by Lisa Monaco, who was involved in Russiagate meetings at Obama White House, and Maggie Goodlander, who's married to Durham's subject, Sullivan, end quote. Paul Sperry is an excellent investigative reporter, and he can certainly be forgiven for engaging in a bit of speculation based on the numbers he was looking at. But this is twice now he's done this. 
This exact same pattern unfolded in August of last year, just before Durham dropped his indictment on D.C. Democrat power lawyer Michael Sussman in September. Durham's special counsel's office financials were released. Reporters were singularly unimpressed with the spending figures and began speculating this was a sign. Durham was either spinning his wheels in futility or was about to close his doors. And then we got two indictments and two trials scheduled. I said about this curious pattern that's been repeated several times now, quote, you always know Durham's about to drop something when you see the usual round of Durham's been shut down or he's about to be. They started up again last week, end quote. People can be forgiven for thinking nothing was happening since the D.C. jury let Sussman walk in late May. On the surface, it did look like nothing was happening. How good is Durham's operational security? When I checked the court listener webpage for the Danchenko case just two days ago during a conversation I was having with Tracy Beans, the last entry in the court docket was listed as being on May 23rd. I commented to her about the lack of any filing activity for the entire month of June. Little did I know. Because when Durham filed his request with Judge Anthony Trenga of the Federal Court for the Eastern District of Virginia, an impenetrable curtain was suddenly pulled back that revealed this in the article, list of multiple filings, June 7th through July 12th. Everything inside the red box wasn't made public until July 13th. There had been nine previous filings in the month of June, not one of which had been leaked, including a protective order for defendant Igor Danchenko granted by Judge Trenga on June 22nd. The entire time, people were claiming Durham was wrapping it up and getting ready to shut down all this court activity was going on in utter secrecy. No leaks. This protective order was granted to prevent someone or several persons from having any contact whatsoever with the defendant in this case. Why was this order filed? Because I suspect, thanks to the discovery it had been given by the government thus far, Danchenko's legal team had a pretty good idea what evidence Durham has, and more importantly, who'd be subpoenaed to involuntarily appear at the upcoming trial and they didn't want any of these people angrily contacting their client to complain about having received a, a subpoena from the Durham Special Counsel's Office. Recall the fantastic flurry of activity that ensued in the Sussman case when it was revealed that Durham had issued trial subpoenas to compel the testimony of several former Clinton campaign personnel. Quote, Durham suckered Hillary for America, the DNC, Perkins Coie, Fusion GPS, and Rodney Jaffe into sudden, furious activity, where they rushed to the court in D.C. to file motions to intervene in the case he is prosecuting against former Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman. He did that by suddenly dropping trial subpoenas on certain people affiliated with Hillary for America and the DNC 
where they were going to be compelled to come to court and specifically testify under oath before the jury about assertions of attorney-client privilege they had made regarding certain documents. It was Sussman's own defense team that let the trial subpoenas out of the bag by making an outraged filing in the court docket about it, demanding Judge Cooper quash the subpoenas. End quote. Now, Durham's done it again. He's dropped 30 trial subpoenas on a large number of people, many of whom I suspect do not want to have to go into that federal courtroom in the Eastern District of Virginia and be put under oath and answer questions put to them by the special counsel's office in front of a jury. I suspect over the course of the next several weeks, you're going to see stories planted in the media where targets of these Durham subpoenas are leaking to reporters about how exceedingly unhappy they are and demanding somebody do something to get Durham under control. Another cycle from last year that will be repeated. Cash Patel had this to say. After this news about Durham's 30 subpoenas dropped during a live interview with Truth Social CEO Devin Nunes, quote, When you're issuing 30 trial subpoenas, not grand jury subpoenas, you're telling the judge, I've got 30 witnesses that I'm going to fly in from all over the country and the world to prosecute this case, shows you how seriously John Durham is moving on this matter, because this is the fulcrum of the case. It intersects the Clinton campaign with their dirty deeds, their fake money, Christopher Steele, and the likes of Fusion GPS. Danchenko was caught, and these 30 subpoenas are going to shed information at the heart of this matter by real people in federal court. End quote. Sussman, walking, due to a swamp jury, didn't change the evidence presented. It was certainly disappointing that the Washington, D.C. jury decided to ignore the evidence the special counsel's office presented against Sussman in order to acquit him of having lied about his clients to the FBI when he handed off the Alpha Bank hoax he and so many others at Perkins Coie Fusion GPS Georgia Technical and at the Clinton campaign had put so much time and effort into concocting. Ah well, life goes on. What was Sussman facing anyway had he been convicted on that single, solitary charge of making a false statement as a respected D.C. Democrat swamp lawyer with no criminal record? Upon conviction, he very likely would have gotten a minimum sentence of a couple of months probation and a fine. When you pull back to get the big picture on the Sussman case, what stands out is all the evidence that Durham managed to get into the public sphere with the Sussman and Danchenko indictments and then the subsequent eight months of court filings in Sussman's case in which he dropped one bombshell after another. Not the least of which were one. That longtime Clinton family flunky, flunky and political operative Chuck Dolan was a source for at least one of the fake allegations Danchenko gave to Christopher Steele that ended up in the dossier. That didn't leak out in over five years. Nobody knew about it until Durham himself was ready to reveal it in the Sussman indictment. And Chuck Dolan is a name you will be hearing quite a bit about 
during this upcoming Danchenko trial. Two, that the Clinton campaign had its own private cyber spying network comprised of federal contractors with access to sensitive government law enforcement and intelligence agency databases. These contractors were actually double-dipping, getting paid by federal entities and agencies to improve cybersecurity, as they were also being paid by the Clinton campaign to steal data on certain specific and carefully designated political targets. Some of that stolen data made its way to the Alpha Bank hoax, and I suspect the Steele dossier hoax as well. 3. Clinton herself approved the giving of the Alpha Bank hoax to the news media once her operatives at Perkins Coie were finished creating it. But what Durham revealed in the Alpha Bank hoax case, which is essentially what the Sussman case was about fully revealing, is nothing compared to what he's going to be showing the country in the Steele dossier case, which is what the Danchenko trial is going to be. I've been saying this for some time now, and I still stand by it. The Clinton campaign was not only penetrated by Russian agents at the highest level, it was also paying a Russian agent who was the primary subsource of the fake Steele dossier to invent allegations accusing Donald Trump, General Flynn, Carter Page, and others of being Russian agents. And Durham will prove this in court. This is not me speculating. I'm not doing any wish-casting here. All the evidence on this was made public a long time ago. I've seen it. So have all the other Spygate researchers that dug into this from the very beginning. Some people who think their role in all of this Spygate business has gone undetected or uninvestigated are going to be surprised when they get one of those 30 subpoenas. What good is exposing a criminal conspiracy if you never get around to actually prosecuting it? But as my friends Tracy Beans of Uncovered DC and Adam Taylor of the Washington Pundit have been pointing out for a long time now, what good does it do for Durham to expose the criminal conspiracy and the acts used to further that conspiracy if he's not willing to charge people for the conspiracy? Although Danchenko is facing five counts of making materially false statements to the FBI when Sussman faced only a single such count, if he's convicted and that's it, that's all we get, Durham will have exposed a massive criminal conspiracy spread out across the Clinton campaign, Perkins Coie, Fusion GPS, the FBI, the DOJ, and more without having charged a single person for being a part of the conspiracy. Somehow, I just don't think that's Durham's big strategy. Expose all the crimes, let the perpetrators go. But that's just me. We'll see what happens.